Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. I'm uh, recording in my Milwaukee Brewers polo shirt today because uh, the Brewers took two of three from Jorge Bonilla's Yankees. Couldn't say I expected that outcome, but I was able to watch it a little bit on MLB. Hello, happy Monday. Unless, of course, you're following the Queen's funeral. It's not so happy. Um, That came on at three in the morning. Uh, If you're up at three in the morning and watching that, well, you're a different person than I am. Uh, What we have been watching here at Newsbusters is the syrupy interview with Scott Pelley did with Joe Biden on Sunday night. We, um, it's in 2010 when I looked at this, 2010, I did a special report called Syrupy Minutes, looking at 60 Minutes uh, in the preceding two or three years, and and. We were looking primarily at Obama, but also at Hillary Clinton, also to some degree at people like John Stewart and Alec Baldwin. Uh, and so um, they announced that Joe Biden was going to do a TV interview on 60 Minutes. And our Kevin Tober was like, uh, can I do it? Can I do it? It's like, well, you are the Sunday guy. So, yes, you should you should do it. And and boy, did he have to do it It's one of those things where people go. You need hazard pay or something. And Kevin is here with us today to discuss everything that unfolded. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Tim. So let's just start from the very beginning, and that is that, uh, uh, you know, the show always starts with tick, 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 tick. And it's about, you know, what is he going to declare to us that's important? And you would joke in a sense that the real surprises is an interview from your and my perspective were not in the open. The, yes. the fact that Hunter Biden came up at all uh, was not acknowledged in the open. No. Uh, but it just started with syrup. And, and what they thought was important for the beginning was to talk about Trump and, and, the, and the documents at Mar-a-Lago. Um, so uh, I have to confess, before we go through this piece by piece, I couldn't watch this thing all in, in total. Uh you know, we're pretty tough skinned here. I watch a lot of stuff and sit through it. This, I just, I, maybe because I've done all this looking at 60 minutes over the years, I had to stop um, and and just <laughs> take a pill and uh, take a chill pill and, and the, before I go into the next thing. Um, so... As you put it, you know, he started, uh, you know, when they come out a commercial after the uh, the lineup of what's coming on, uh, he says, summer was going so well for the president. The White House threw a party last week with a concert by James Taylor. Mr. Biden's streak began in June when he signed a bipartisan gun safety law, blah, blah, blah. So he's setting the table, you know. He knows, we all know, Biden's presidency is not going great. His approval rating's in the toilet. And he's got to do, summer was going so well. You know, I tweeted, now imagine 60 Minutes starting an interview with, summer was going so well for President Trump. Exactly. <laughs> no, I was, yeah, he, he started off right on the wrong foot, right from the beginning. He just, you can tell from the beginning this was going to be just a big syrup fest. Yeah, I noted, you know, uh, 
when Brent Baker's tweeting as much as you're tweeting, tweeting out the video, you, mm-hmm. know, you could tell he was disgusted with it. And you know, again, Baker, who's been here since the beginning, all 35 years, when he's going, wow, this is bad. It's bad. Yeah, you know it's bad. And and it's not to say that everything in this interview was a puffball, but even the so-called hardballs came in velvet. You know, he was yeah. just like, you're not trying to say inflation's good. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I mean, so to to start the whole thing and not sort of take, this is what he could have asked. When he, st- he starts mentioning James Taylor and this event. He could have said, is it a little out of touch to have a celebration at this particular moment? Yeah. I, I mean, that would have been a better question than what we got. I think it would have been better for the White House to cancel the celebration at that point. Yeah. When that number came out that morning. Yeah. The optics of that was horrendous. Well, but this is where, Kevin, I would say they're just like, you know, we'll surge on ahead because we know that the our me- friends in the media yep. will paper right over it. Um, you know, oh, right wing Twitter is going to be right wing Twitter. We're not going to let that make us decide how to do this. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. And then he went on, of course, you know, he signed the largest investment ever on climate change, a minimum tax in corporations, a lot of lower prescri- prescription drug prices and student loan forgiveness. I mean, this is this is the laundry list the White House handed me and I'm going to read it to begin the interview. And of course, he's there pompously holding his eyeglasses and putting them to his lips like he normally does. And the joke was, now how can he shine Biden's shoes and hold on to his glasses at the same time? Yeah. Uh, uh, and as you said, once Pelly was finished with his servile opening introduction, he began asking a series of questions about the economic calamity Biden has caused. Oh, yep. Oh, what? Yeah. Democrat questioners couldn't possibly suggest anything that goes wrong under biden was caused by biden yeah of course he didn't frame it that way as i wrote he, that was more my commentary but no he he said is the economy going to get worse before it gets better and you know biden went on and said he's hoping for a soft landing yeah i mean the first question said, was something to the effect of what can you do better and faster i mean yeah. that's the premise of the premise is that you are doing something right well, or it's the premise of tell us what you'll do in the future and we won't focus on how everything's gone wrong under your presidency. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's they're not going to hold him accountable because they're going to suggest that I think they did sort of suggest. Well, it's the coming out of the pandemic. It's the it's the war in Ukraine, you know, like they usually do. You know, they're not. It, Biden stood there. This is one of the things I'm just just a tick. I don't like Biden stood there and, or sat there and said, you know, we created 10 million jobs. Now, I don't like any president that says that. Yeah. You could say 10 million jobs have been created while I was president, but you didn't create the jobs. And, and the whole problem with that premise is that a lot of those jobs that were quote unquote created just came back because they shut down under the pandemic. Exactly. So uh, so that was a really, I mean, these were the softball questions, which was, you know, what can you do better and faster? Well, you know, I mean, that's just, yeah, it's softball questioning. And and so, yes, then it was, what can you do to prevent a recession? What's wrong with that question, Kevin? We're already in a recession. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we have two consecutive quarters of economic contraction. Yep. And Scott Pelley doesn't seem to have the, the, the education necessary to know that is the definition of a recession. Uh, so that's, that's a problem. 
So then, uh, then he, they go to, they're inside the hall at the Detroit Auto Show. So this is where you're saying, yep. this was a multi-part taping. Yeah. This was not like we went in for, for, for an hour one day in the White House. Well, now they're on, they're flying to Detroit. Together, yeah. <laughs> to help set up Biden's talking points on electric cars. Yeah. Fantasy. Not, yeah. Well, certainly, again, no tough questions on electric cars like, oh, how's this going to work out when, when we have all these problems in California with the charging stations? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing tough there. Uh, but then, of course, this was actually maybe the most consequential question he asked is the pandemic over? Uh, and Biden said, yes. Now, you know, there's a lot of Democrats that don't like that answer. There are some that like it. Yeah. Fauci's probably not happy. He probably woke up this morning furious, <laughs> screaming, screaming to his uh, uh Well, I tweeted, I himself. said, tell it to Fauci. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, again, I think they're trying to navigate here because they want to say, they want to say that they've somehow had a success on COVID. But yes, they have a very strong part of, of liberal Twitter that... Uh, uh, that uh, never wants to really admit that the pandemic is over. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the cat ladies and liberal mind mo- wine moms in uh, D.C. who I saw walk around the street wearing masks outside. Outside, yeah. At this point, and it wasn't they, a crowded D.C. street either. They were they were the only two people on the street, and they've probably had two you know two shots and two boosters. Yeah, I don't. So understand. they're not happy. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I. If this is the problem. It's like if that's the way you want to behave, that's that's your choice. Yeah. Uh, but yes, obviously, politically, I really think that one of the reasons Trump did as well as he did in 2020, and I would even say among that Trump had a stronger minority vote than expected, is probably COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that they have to be, uh, you know, be aware of. They want to somehow project success on COVID. I mean, he's been president for, you know, going on two years. So they, he wants to say the pandemic is over. Now, they didn't walk that back. Nobody in the White House, unlike other answers in this interview, nobody came out from the White House and, and he had to say, after the interview, people in the White House told us the president was wrong to say the pandemic was over. Um, all right. So then you noted they had a moment where... Pelly actually challenged Biden on his approval ratings. He said it was well over, below 50%. I actually think it was, he said it was 40. But then he, this is again, this is the question. And I wonder why you think that is. I mean, yeah. this is one of those things where it's just like, would you like a breath mint? <laughs> it gives, yeah, it gives, I mean, it gives Biden an opening to say whatever he wants and whatever he thinks that the reason is. And he's like, his excuse was these are really terrible times for the country. We're going through hard times and the pandemic. I inherited a mess from my predecessor. Yeah. Of course, his opening to attack yep. Trump. Yeah, yeah. Well, no one was vaccinated. Or the number he said, you know, less than um, only two million people had been vaccinated by the time I got in the office, and now I got over two hundred twenty million people vaccinated. On and on and on. You know, we were left a very difficult situation. It's been a very difficult time. Very difficult. And then see, and this this is where there should be pushback, Kevin, because you would want to say, well, wait, wait a minute. Under Trump, they developed a vaccine and that has made life for Americans and whatever. You know, that was very important. You ought to give Trump some credit or at least the federal government under Trump some credit for Operation Warp Speed. Now, they're not even going to use the words Operation Warp Speed. Um, And. 
yeah, I wonder why that is. Well, the other thing I was thinking while that was going on was that the news media really doesn't cover Biden's approval rating as much as we did under Trump. They were always trying to tell you how unpopular Trump was. That was yep. a, and uh, I'm not saying that number was necessarily inaccurate. Just like I don't think these numbers are necessarily inaccurate. You know, he's underwater in a lot of these polls by 11, 12, 13 points. And I think anybody in politics knows you ain't going to win the midterms when your president's on 11, 12, 13 points underwater on the yeah, approval rating. No wonder, regardless of what the media tells you, that's not, yeah, it's not going to look good. So let's uh, take a minute to talk about the Mar a Lago piece, which isn't in here because, you know, you got a, t- you got a word limit. You got to. Yeah, I didn't want to. <laughs> So let's talk, just discuss that for a minute. I mean, this is one of those things where the answers to me were not plausible. He's like, were you informed? I was not informed of it in advance. Uh-huh. They were gonna, it's historically unprecedented yeah. for the FBI to raid a former president's home. And he's going to say, I didn't know in advance. All right. I don't buy that. I no, think I don't either. I think that's false. I think this is a question where there should have been. Harder questioning and uh, um, and just the whole, you know, I'm not telling the Justice Department what to do. Um, and again, yeah, oh, just, look, I mean, it's one thing to say I'm trying to be hands off. All right. That sounds like it's plausible. But again, when you start making these blanket denials, which is what he does. Yeah. I didn't discuss this with anybody. I don't buy that. I don't buy that that, that he didn't have some heads up. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think Vince Colnay is from WML perfectly. If, um, for anyone you that listen to throughout the country, he's a local radio host here in conservative talk station WML. He, uh, he's also the editorial director of Daily Caller. But he tweeted this morning that how important could these documents be if nobody has bothered to brief the president about them? That's a good, that's which a, I think is a perfect point. That is I mean, a good point, and this, but that's it's the question Pelly could have asked. Yeah, if you haven't been told about what was in these documents. Then they must not be crucial. Yep. Uh, there was no question about how you know. Well, how do you contrast these this classified document mess with Hillary's classified document mess that 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 classified documents were being shared in her email, um, and so yeah, I mean this is where it was just sort of set up for him, you know. Yeah. What, what, again, the question was when you saw the picture of the top secret documents laid out on the floor. What did you think? Yeah, that was a, that was the purpose of the question. And, you know, I, again, how open ended could it possibly be? <laughs> exactly. And it's just the more you think about this, the more ridiculous it sounds. Is that the originally the narrative was that Trump had all these nuclear codes and nuclear documents and issue uh, different documents in, in, to that effect. Well, if that's the case, or if that's what the narrative was, wouldn't you think the president would be briefed about nuclear codes? Yep. I mean, I, that is. Oh, they. You yeah, know, that is that. Would, he, that Biden would be notified. About this that. is where I think they would all be like, "Let's impeach him again." Yeah. I know he hasn't been president for two years. Third time's a charm. Uh, but but uh, uh, we'll get him this time. Yeah, I think that the uh, well, you know, I uh, again, Pelly really should have at least underlined the fact that this is historically unprecedented. Um, what conservative Twitter obviously suggests is that what. Uh, Maybe what Trump has is about the collusion probe and this sort of stuff, and that he's got dirt on, uh, you know, who knows, uh, Andrew Weissman and <laughs> Peter Strzok or something. Yeah. Um, but you know, it it is a situation where, 
I suppose it's good to put Biden on the record lamely denying he doesn't know anything like Sergeant Schultz, if mm-hmm. you're old enough to remember Sergeant Schultz. No. I know nothing from Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. Uh, I don't buy that. And then we'll go into Hunter Biden, which I'm sorry, that was a surprise. It was. I was shocked by but, that. But I'm going to play a game with you, Kevin. How long was Biden's answer? That the CBS aired. How long was Biden's answer before we get to the question? He didn't. They didn't play the whole clip, did they? Is There's, that what you're asking? The answer was 19 seconds. Right. Is that these are all pre-taped and very carefully presented? Yeah. And um, the they did they did exactly what the Biden campaign and the Biden White House always wants. Whereas if you're going to mention Hunter Biden, first we have to say and his son Hunter has been a lightning rod for suspicion. Hunter Biden's former addiction to crack cocaine led to a life he describes as non-stop depravity. He has also acknowledged a federal investigation into his taxes. Congress investigated Hunter Biden's job with a Ukrainian company at the time that his father ran Ukrainian policy in the Obama administration. A Republican investigation, however, uncovered no wrongdoing by then Vice President Biden. Mr. President, if you run again, Republicans are most likely to go after your son, Hunter, once again. And I wonder what you would like to say about your son and whether any of his troubles have caused conflicts for you or for the United States. I love my son, number one. He fought uh, an addiction problem. He overcame it. He wrote about it. And no, there's not a single thing that I've observed at all from the, that would affect me or the United States relative to my son, Hunter. Republican investigations are likely to resume if Mr. Biden loses either the House or the Senate. And history shows that presidents usually lose seats in Congress in a midterm election. If so, the president's remaining ambitions may be beyond his reach. Now, here again is Biden making this statement, this overarching statement that is obviously untrue. There's not a single thing I've observed that would affect me or the U.S. relative to my son, Hunter. And again, He's denied that he had anything to do with Hunter's businesses. And if there's anything we've seen on the laptop, and of course the word laptop was not used in this interview, it's the obvious that the president was meeting with Hunter's clients, that he was ta- they were taking pictures with Hunter's clients. Uh, Hunter's clients were thanking him for being, you know, for meeting with the pr- vice president. I mean, it's it's really obvious here. This is where the only way that Hunter comes up is in this ultra sympathetic way and that that Biden gets to come on and say yeah my, my son's a champ he's recovered and uh, you know I I love him and uh, you know you're supposed to this is one of those things that you would say oh this is designed for all the sympathetic women in the audience yep I'm sorry it sounds sexist but it's the way it's pitched oh poor daddy he's re- rescued his 52 year old son from all the crack cocaine and prostitutes I mean <laughs> Yeah. It's just really, really off-putting. But again, so they, they touch on Hunter, but they it's all pitched in a sympathetic way. Yeah, and the way that they segue from, as we mentioned before, Biden blaming 
the situation that he's inherited and about the 220 million people he had vaccinated under his watch. And he goes in and he says, we were left in a very difficult situation. It's been a very difficult time, very difficult. And then Pelly segues from that and says, and a very difficult time for the president too. <laughs> in 1972, he lost his wife and daughter in a car accident. He lost his son, Bo, to cancer in 2015 at the age of 46. Yeah, I mean, and that goes to Hunter. Yeah, I mean, and and just again, the way that that's pitched as if they win, the Republicans are going to focus on your son. And it's sort of like, you know, I hate to break it to you, but you guys sort of focused on the Trump children, didn't yeah. you? Mm -hmm. And we that, all obsessed over Donald Trump Jr. meeting at Trump Tower with Russians. Yeah. Was that like, I'm sorry, Mr. Trump, but the Democrats are going to focus on your son, the poor guy. No, yeah, that would, <laughs> the, the line would be, why is your son such a derelict? <laughs> well, and I... It, that would be the be line. Well, yes, I mean, this is touchy because, right, if you were going to really let him have it, you'd say, Mr. President, could it be seen that you look like a bad father? Yeah. You know, I mean, and yeah, obviously... That, people's children disappoint them and it's not i'm not saying it's biden's fault but it's always always pitched as poor poor joe all exactly. he's had to deal with and we always go to 1972 and they always go to bow and, and cancer yep um and they're they're certainly not even going to do the psychodrama of is it possible the hunter's messed up because bow is always your favorite <laughs> you know nobody's going there you yeah, know, that, maybe in the maybe when when Showtime makes a Biden document, you know, documentary movie. No, they won't. No, they're making a Lincoln Project documentary. I mean, it's ridiculous. All right. Gag. So uh, so let's then change to then we come to this part of the interview where they're in the Oval Office. And the weirdest yep. thing about this, aside from the actual verbiage, is they're standing like 12 inches apart. What happened to COVID? Oh, it's, it's over. Well, that, that too, Pandemic's but I'm over. like, dude, you were close enough to kiss him. I mean, and the questions were about there. I mean, this this whole one about, this is again, he goes from Hunter to, you've lived a long life of triumph and tragedy. You'll be 80, and I wonder what it is that keeps you in the arena. Now, this, this to me, I mean, I guess we also didn't mention that he did ask him if he was going to run for president in 24, and Biden gave sort of this... Maybe I can't because I can't find finance laws and all well, that, that and, whole. Well, which is legitimate, but you can. Uh, that's but that's only about what the, the technicality of announcing, uh, you know, I think that I'm going to guess that this was an, a question and an answer. You know, here's what we don't know. Wouldn't it be fun to see the emails between the White House and CBS that would be. to see the degree of how these things are manufactured? Um. Uh, and to, you know, oh, and then cut cut to the White House Oval Office where I ask him about all his personal problems at being yeah. 80. And um, it was just funny. There was another line that was really obnoxious, I thought. And just they were basically covering for Biden's or excusing Biden's, uh, let's just say, um, memory issues. Yeah, that's he, true. Charitable. Um, well, he was sort of like. Mr. President, people say. Yeah, and but no, he said, you know, Joe Biden is among the longest serving politicians in Washington. If there's less bounce in the step than there once was, if the words don't flow like they used to, 
maybe there's something to be said for know-how. Five decades on the hill and in the Oval. Yeah, I mean, like, that that again is advertising. That yeah. is not journalism. That is nope. advertising. That yep. is somebody writing a campaign commercial. And that's, you know, I'm not the kind of person who who wants to say, oh, he's lost it, he's lost it. You know, on the other hand, we all remember the way they constantly suggested that Trump needed the 25th Amendment, yeah. that... You know, that, that Trump was senile. That Trump, that Trump couldn't walk down a, you know, a yeah. ramp. I mean, you know that they all obsessed over this kind of thing. And now they're like, oh, those savage Republicans are questioning your mental faculties. You know, the Washington Post uh, had a had a what they thought was a clever little graphic where they put a mushroom cloud inside Trump's head. Right. And then mm. they all come on and say, those Republicans, they're just so they're just so mean. They're just so uncivil. Um, and, you know, and then they had that whole section, which we don't talk about in the blog you did. And that was, gosh, the Republicans are so rough on you. And, oh, yeah, people, people are so, politics is so tough. It used to be so much chummier. And, of course, what I want to say is, cut! Yeah, who's, who's ruined the civility of politics? Let's start with reporters. Let's start with people like Jim Acosta screaming at you in the podium. I mean, it, there's a, a lot of the viciousness yeah, and in let's politics start, is the media. Yeah, and let's start with Biden in 2012 saying to Mitt Romney, of all people, the most mild-mannered, milk-toast, nice guy you ever want to meet, at least on the Republican side or any side, really, saying he wants to put people back in chains. Remember that in the 2012 yeah. election? Like, yeah. you want to talk about that's that's. Biden, right there. All right, he's, you weren't here in 2012, Kevin. Do you? I was do in you, do high you, school. Do, there you go. <laughs> do you recall how much the press covered that remark? Um, not probably not I think much. The answer is almost nothing. Yeah, and, and this is again. There is a long, long history, and Jeff Dickens, I'm sure, has done several blogs on this of the Biden gaffes they don't cover. You know, yeah, and when they acknowledged that he made gaffes, it was. Oh, Uncle Joe, isn't he cute? <laughs> Sometimes he puts his toe in his mouth, but it's, you gotta love him, you know? Yeah, old Uncle Joe. Oh, he's harmless, you know? I mean, that's the way they handled it. This is where, again, when somebody like Pelly goes, you know, when he's not quite as, you know, verbose or smart as he used to be, and it's like, really? I mean, maybe... Uh, Maybe if you go back to the 70s and 80s, there are people that said, no, he was kind of a doofus at the time. We can go back to, you can watch the tapes we made them from 1987, where he was like yelling at reporters that he had three degrees and a bunch of false stuff. Oh, yeah, his, I remember that. About yeah. his record. And of course, he 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 uh, got thrown out, basically, he got out of the 87, 88 primaries for totally borrowing a speech from a, from a British politician named Neil Kinnock. Uh, and so, yes, maybe you could say, you know what? Back in 1987, he was not the brightest guy. That's why he never really won any presidential primaries because the Democrats had a selection and said, nope, not that guy. You know, it's yeah. only because I don't think there's any way Biden would be president today without Obama selecting him. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he was saved in South Carolina. Right. Right. Well, I mean, again. And that, again, you could see Obama behind the scenes basically being like, okay, Buddha judge, you got to get out now. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, that was, a, you know, that was a managed thing where the Democrats said, no, this is our best chance to beat Trump. Yeah. And you remember before South Carolina, he almost was out. I mean, Bernie Sanders was clean as clock in Iowa and New Hampshire. 
Well, and then they had to drag out. It's been a long life of triumph and tragedy. You yeah. know, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, yep. and like during the 2020 convention, I, I meant to do this. And now it may be, maybe we'll have to wait to see what the 2024 convention is like. But it's like I wanted to count how many times Bo Biden came up <laughs> at the convention you know, and then how many times Hunter Biden came up at the convention? And that was that was only the night he actually appeared. And again, yeah. Hunter Biden's in the, you know, there he is speaking in the thing. And nobody goes, oh, so here's his son, Hunter. Let's lay out for everybody again the uh, the prostitutes and crack. <laughs> no, they're not going to do that. No. Right. Yep. So. All right. So let's go to the last piece of this, which for me was the worst part. Yeah. You know. I remember uh, I sent you this to you on Twitter last night. I, I, um, yes, it's the it's the constant piece. This again is another signature idea that Ron Klain and the White House PR team have told you what to say. Uh, you know what keeps you going, Mr. President? And there's a several edits in there too, right? Because yeah. he's got to he's got to find a space where he starts talking about Bo again, and then he has to fish into his pocket. This gets me a long way. This rosary. Catholic and devout, he keeps a rosary in his pocket. Well, no. If you look at the camera, Kevin, it's not a rosary. It's what they call a rosary ring. Yeah. So it has the 10 decades of the rosary on a ring. It's not, you would say, and he carries this rosary ring in his pocket would be accurate. To say he carries a rosary, that would have to be the whole necklace, what, what, as it were. But the, the whole problem I have with this, obviously, is this is the most devoutly pro-abortion president we've had absolutely you know uh, uh, this is a president who's been very aggressively hitting all the lgbtq notes and especially again on this whole idea of gender identity all the the culture wars we're having about you know men competing in women's sports whatever it is joe biden taps the hard line on this um and so you know to call him catholic and devout is 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 a it's just a tremendous lie you know and part of the problem with this i've always had is that i wouldn't call myself a devout catholic i go to church every week i sing in the choir but i'm not going to call myself a devout catholic because it's not humble you know if you're going to be a christian you should be humble about it but this is just this is a line they all have to trot out and again i mean the whole end of that you know before they go to tick 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 yeah it's all like you know Joe's hanging in there. Yeah, he's hanging there. Um, yeah, that uh, that whole Catholic thing. It, it's it's funny. You never notice. I forget, someone. I I forget who pointed this out on Twitter because there were so many tweets going around. Yeah, but someone wrote that. Why is it a good thing when a Democrat is religious, mm-hmm. but it's bad when a Republican's religious? No, I mean this is absolutely true. Which is, yes, they're going to trot out the idea that Biden's devoutly Catholic, that Nancy Pelosi's devoutly Catholic, and so on. And if they were actually following the teachings of the Catholic Church, they would be dangerous theocrats. I mean, this is obviously obviously the way they would pitch, say, Brett Kavanaugh, you know, Clarence Thomas, Amy Coney Barrett. They were all dangerous and the, you know, the handmaid's tale in the whole nine yards. Yeah. So, yes, we know. That's where I'm saying to you, this is just another piece of it's advertising. Yep. Now the funny thing was, you know, Kevin's there and he's got a he's got a crunch on this. He's got to get this whole long segment into a blog overnight so that we're on top of it and that we didn't really analyze yet, but we'll talk about for a, a minute. 
that they also had a syrupy interview with the president of Iran where Leslie Stahl, you know, is in a hijab and, and all this. And, and it's announced right at the top of the show. They told us what, what I could wear. Yep. I was told I could not interrupt him, that there's a whole bunch of conditions. And, and you say, isn't it amazing? You know, they're so desperate to get the questions to a leader of a, uh, of a state sponsor of terrorism that they're like, you know, oh, we'll follow all your conditions and I'll wear, I'll wear a hijab. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Iran has recently killed a woman for refusing to wear a hijab. And that's what was going around on Twitter. Um, but then it just reminds me, Kevin, of Leslie Stahl with Donald Trump right before the 2020 election. And Trump was smart enough to record the whole thing and release the whole interview before it aired on 60 Minutes. Smart. Because here's what Leslie Stahl didn't do to the president of Iran, what she did to the president of the United States, which was he's like, you know, Hunter's corrupt. And she said, you can't. There's no proof. We, we can't. You can't verify that. Yeah. You, you can't verify that, she said. And, and that's this is the problem with 60 Minutes. Is, and they haven't followed up. Here they had a chance to say, well, now it's been verified. The laptop is real. Yeah. Um, let's, let's take a look, Mr. President, at this picture of you with Hunter's clients. You denied you had anything to do with Hunter's businesses. Now explain this photo. Explain this email. What's, who's the big guy? When Tony Bobolinsky tells us that 10% for the big guy, that would seem to be you. Mm-hmm. None of that was in there. You know, so whether nope. it's Leslie Stahl or whether it's Scott Pelley, it was syrup all over the place last night. Oh, yeah, it was dripping all over the place. So this is one of those things where, you know, 60 Minutes is has such a record of bias over the years. We, I could certainly do another syrupy minutes, you know, after 2010. But obviously we did, we did do something on Steve Croft's entire history of interviews with Obama was one syrupy interview after another. And, oh, yeah. And that's where it's like it's such a dramatic contrast. Now, here's the question they really didn't ask. Well, there's there's several questions that yeah. it's amazing they didn't ask. There's one, a lot of things they didn't ask. One, they didn't ask about DeSantis and Abbott. They didn't ask. The immigration did not come up. It, could, could that be because it was recorded prior? Possible. But it's... Because I know this was late last week this happened. The, um, well, the they DeSantis. interviewed him on, what was it, Thursday? Yeah, so, they have not had time for But I'm to... just saying the fact that the border is not an issue. That was interesting. Now, to me, the overarching question, which would have been the interesting question, and perhaps the number one question, uh, you haven't granted a television interview since the Super Bowl. You know, why is that? You know, and and this is where you go back to that issue where, and it goes back to the issue of, are you going to fumble and gaff your way through an interview? And is that why you're not doing it? Is it is it because you don't want people putting together your clips and saying you're mentally not all there? Yeah. Is, you know, it, and, and of course, the really savage things on Twitter are basically like, this man is not the president. He's not making all the big calls, you know. And, and, and so that's like, you know, again, when they, how they embarrass him when they're like, oh, the president said we'd go to war on, over Taiwan. Oops, the White House said, no, that's not what he meant. Yeah, that's And how many thing. times has this happened where Biden says we're going to war over Taiwan and the White House comes in with the pooper scooper and says, nope, 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 that's not what he meant. Yeah, I mean, the White House staffer is night nurse pretty much. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, that's another thing I didn't put in the blog. But again, I had to get this up as soon as possible for you, right. for all of my uh, our readers. Well, get. I think it matches, Kevin, it matches really nicely sort of the Chuck Todd interview with. 
Kamala Harris where she's allowed to say the border is secure. You know, it's yeah. it's it is, uh, and this is actually probably why that they don't do interviews that often. And then you know, and but, also we another thing we didn't mention is um, not from the interview, but the another reason Biden doesn't do these interviews or has to be cleaned up after himself all the time is because last time he did this major speech in Europe, he said that Putin can't remain in power, and they, the White House had to clean that up after. So right, right. Yeah, that's kind of the reason we think that there's not these interviews more often. Yeah, I mean, and they would say, well, he gave a major speech. The, this is also the interesting thing. They did not discuss the MAGA Republican speech or speeches, you know, at the at a time when he was going, gee, Joe Biden, why can't things be civil like they were in the 70s where you were hanging out with segregationists? Oh, no, they were not that they'd ask it that way. But I mean, they you know, they they would mourn on, you know, the era of civility. It's like, well, okay, let's show clips from the speech and and everything uh, to basically suggest that all the Republicans are a threat to the foundations of democracy. Um, you know, and pin him down on that yeah. or even make it more embarrassing in co who picked the lighting for that thing. You know, are they fired? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, what you get is, yes, this is the fascinating thing to me. Um, and what you should find going on in Newsbusters is when they do these interviews with Biden and Harris, they are very gentle. And yet still they're afraid to do them. They're afraid to do them because they don't really want to be on uh, held accountable. I think you just argue they don't want to be held accountable so that they they don't submit to these interviews. And even when the interviews come and it's like, oh, is the border secure? Is What can you do better about inflation? I mean, the, 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 yeah. the questions themselves are embarrassing. So if you want to keep track of this, you know, you got to follow Kevin on Twitter. At KevinTober94. That's right. Or you come to Newsbusters. Once, once twice, twice, 24, 24 times, times a day. day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>